You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, God's commission to Joshua. Although this book begins a separate section, even the first few sentences show the link with what came before, because the reader must know who the Lord is, who Moses was, who Joshua is, who the Israelites are, where the Jordan River is, and why they are crossing it. They must know something of the promises made to their ancestors and who those ancestors were. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. In the books of Numbers and Deuteronomy, we saw God's choice of Moses' successor in response to his prayer that the people would not be left as sheep without a shepherd. He was appointed by God and publicly inaugurated to be the next leader. Moses had brought them to the edge of the Jordan on the east side, but Joshua would take them the rest of the way and conquer the land. Even though Moses was dead, the work continued because it was God's work, not Moses' work. No one is indispensable, as you find when you retire from work and are quickly replaced. Ministries, therefore, should not be centered around an individual because they are only appointed to serve in their generation, then they move on, as we saw of David in Acts 13.36. Then it says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Although everywhere they set their foot would be their land, they are not to go wherever they like. He sets the boundaries of their lands, Acts 17.26. Here God spells out the territory allotted to them. In the west, the Mediterranean coast. In the east, the Euphrates River. In the north, Lebanon. In the south, the wilderness over to the Nile. So this area is roughly the same as the one promised to Abraham in Genesis 15. And this idea of walking the land of purchase was an ancient custom to mark the transfer of land. It was God's land to give, He determined the borders. It was theirs to claim, in confidence that no one would be able to resist them, although many would try. It's important to remember that these promises were made at a particular point in redemptive history to a particular group of people. We are not to claim land for the gospel in the same sense, especially since the church is not restricted to any geographical area, but is multinational. And some see this occupation of inhabited land as a type of colonialism, and they balk at it. But we must view it through the lens of God's word. The land was being taken away from the people who lived there because they were under the judgment of God. But to use these events as a precedent for colonialism in our day is to misuse the scriptures. Verses 5 and 6, the promise of divine power for the task. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. So God gives promises when his people will face difficult times, and it is to these promises they must cling. They were promised military victory over their enemies. The ancestors to whom this promise was given were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God promises both his power and his presence, just as he had to Moses in Exodus 3.12. It is because of this that Joshua is commanded to be strong. What could he possibly lack when God is with him? Moses had exhorted Joshua with the same words in Deuteronomy 3 and 31. When he announced that Joshua would be their next leader, he was called, commissioned, and commanded. Verses 7 to 9. Success is tied to obedience to the scriptures. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And this suggests very strongly that the five books of Moses were already written and in their possession. In order to meditate on it, he must have access to it, to read it. It would teach him what God required, and he was to be diligent to obey all of it. If he did so, he would be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The opposite of strong and courageous is to be afraid or discouraged. If he looked at the overwhelming odds stacked against them, Joshua would have crumbled, as ten of the twelve spies had forty years earlier. But he had witnessed the supernatural power of God since he left Egypt, and he trusted him. Verses 10 to 11, Instructions to the Military Officers Before difficult tasks, Leaders often give pep talks to encourage the people and bolster their confidence. As soon as Joshua gets his marching orders, he relays the message to the officers in charge of the soldiers. He demonstrates confidence in the word of God. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So these escaped slaves are now an army, in divisions, with military leaders over them. These officers are instructed to provision the troops and prepare to take possession. They are given a timeline. It will happen in three days' time. This will allow the scouts he sends ahead to cross over and return. So compared to the exodus from Egypt, where they had to leave quickly, and had no time to prepare. Now they are commanded to prepare. Yet both times were journeys of faith. Both times they had to be faithful to God's commands, whether to leave with nothing or to pack their belongings. Likewise, we depend on the strength of the Spirit and still prepare. So at this point, when they are told they will cross the Jordan, and they saw that the banks were overflowing, 
they may have been looking for bridges or ferries to bring them across. They are a great multitude with families, flocks, and herds. They are not yet told how this will be accomplished, but that is not their concern. They must be faithful to do what was commanded of them. Verses 12 to 15, a reminder to fulfill a promise. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men, ready for battle, must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So this arrangement was recorded in Numbers 32. Now it was time to fulfill their vow. The children of Israel would be spread out on both sides of the Jordan River. It would be tempting for those eastern tribes to want to stay with their families instead of leaving them for a few years, but they had to trust that God would keep their families safe while they were not there to protect them, and he would. Verses 16 to 18, Commitment to Obey Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. They promised to obey Joshua unconditionally, on pain of death. It's ironic that they claim to have fully obeyed Moses. However, at this point, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt that whoever is here now is prepared to obey. It's a blessing to follow a leader who follows the Lord. True leadership is a gift of God and should be affirmed by those who follow them. So the encouragement to be strong and courageous was spoken to Joshua four times in this chapter, three times from the Lord to him and once from the Israelites. And this was needed because the formidable enemies and fortified cities that discouraged the other ten spies forty years earlier were still in the land. They were not to be intimidated by them. Likewise, we are not to waver at the promises of God. Romans 4.18-21 Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the Gospel do we find in this chapter? After his death, he is referred to as Moses the servant of God, or Moses the man of God, sixteen times in the book of Joshua alone. The phrase man of God is a technical term used over seventy times in the Old Testament, always referring to someone who spoke for God. Moses is called my servant by God, twice in Numbers 17, uh, sorry, 12, and elsewhere. And that's a great thing to be known as. Others that receive that designation are Job, David, the Israelites, and the prophets. Even pagan kings like Cyrus and Nebuchadnezzar are servants of God in the sense that they are used by him to accomplish his purposes. 
Joshua starts out being called Moses' assistant, but at his death he is called the servant of the Lord. Joshua 24:29. The ultimate servant of the Lord is the Messiah, Jesus. Moses was faithful, called faithful in God's house. The writer to the Hebrews contrasts Moses' faithfulness as a servant in God's house to Jesus, who was faithful as the builder and owner of the house. God clearly chose Jesus as his anointed servant, testifying to their relationship three times. We are God's servants, and we should long to hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. Even though Moses was dead, God gave the Israelites a new man to lead them. God gives us leaders in the church and gifts them to edify it, so we should be thankful. Joshua didn't begin as a leader, but as an assistant. We must learn to serve before we can lead, and the New Testament example is of a humble servant leader. Even now, as a leader, he is a man under God's command. All leadership is under God's authority. Jesus took on the humble form of a servant. So Joshua would be successful because of God's presence and power, and this would happen. This has been the comfort of believers in Scripture and in all times since. Jesus promised, and surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. In Hebrews 13.5, we are given God's promise, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So God would give them the land. It was now the time of fulfillment. God always keeps his promises, which are ultimately fulfilled in Christ. Joshua was to read and meditate on the law of God day and night, and then obey it. Scripture has always been the spiritual food of those who served him. Job, the psalmist, Jeremiah, and Jesus. Leaders, pastors, teachers in particular, are to know God's word so that they can communicate it effectively. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, he had all authority, and with it he commissioned his followers to enter the field of battle with confidence that he will have the victory. The tribes that already inherited on the east side of the Jordan now had to fulfill their vow and help their brethren. God takes vows seriously. We need to stand with our brothers and sisters in the spiritual fight. We need to keep our word as God still requires truthfulness from its people. And however much has already been accomplished for the sake of the gospel, more work lies ahead. Joshua is encouraged four times to be strong and courageous. Believers are to be that way as well. 1 Corinthians 16.13 says, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. So like Moses, Joshua was a great leader. But also like Moses, we'll see he falls short. Their hope did not depend on Joshua, but on Joshua's God. The ultimate servant of the Lord is Jesus, God's beloved Son, with whom he was well pleased. Joshua was a man full of the Spirit, whose name reflected his saving intention. Yahweh saves, and he was given the task of leading his people into the promised land. He would cross the Jordan to begin the work. He prefigures Jesus, who was given the Spirit without limit, whose name reflected his mission. Matthew 1.21 says, She will give birth to a son, 
and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And Jesus' public ministry was initiated by his baptism in the Jordan River. Jesus leads us to our heavenly Canaan, going on ahead of us. He does what Moses could not do. They were to be ready to cross over in three days. Jesus accomplished our salvation when he suffered, died, and rose again in three days. They are receiving the land as an inheritance gifted to them by a loving Father. They did nothing to merit it. They couldn't obtain it or keep it unless God empowered and sustained them. Yet they would still have to fight for years. It was not handed to them. Just as a Christmas gift under a tree with our name on it is technically ours, it is not truly ours until we open it. The land is theirs by promise. It will now become theirs by conquest. Compared to slavery in Egypt and wandering in the wilderness, there was a measure of rest since they had already arrived, but there were many enemies still to conquer. Likewise, we are saved solely by the grace of God. We do nothing to merit our salvation and could do nothing to keep it except for the persevering and preserving grace of God. When we are first saved, we enter our rest but soon find that the spiritual battles have just begun and will last a lifetime. There is both divine initiative and human response. Faithfulness follows the gift. The people commit to obey Joshua. We must also make a decision to follow Jesus and obey all he commands. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Joshua chapter 2. May God bless the study of his word.